hard and they execute the system, and that's what it's all about. Yes, there sir. Trust. Big trust. Big trust. trust. Hey, yes, sir. <laughs> right on cue. Hey, right on cue. Hey, I, let me We're back on the Jumbo Set Podcast. It is Wednesday, December 20th. My name is Jake Luke, and I'm joined by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz. How are we doing, sir? Christmas week. Christmas week. Doing quite well. 49ers week. We've been waiting on this one a long time. I feel relatively festive. I think you know I'm, I'm in the big 30s now. I've had a couple years in my 20s where I maybe have not quite felt as much of the holiday spirit. I think I have some perspective there as an adult now. It's been a few years of adult holiday seasons. And I feel relatively cheerful. I feel pretty cheery. I feel good. I like the lights. I feel like I've participated in festivities enough where I feel uh, satisfied but not drained. And so I'm excited. And this game is going to be really exciting. It's kind of like, I don't know, kind of besmirches Christmas in many ways. I'm more excited about this game than I am for presents, and I love presents. I love presents. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling good, too. I love giving presents. I love getting presents, so I'm right there with you on that. This game, interestingly, you know, falls on a Christmas. I think this is going to be their first Christmas game since uh, the reach there with our, our guy putting that shit on over top Eric Weddle, A.B., uh, that was not the most pre- uh, pleasant Christmas memory that I can remember. I, I think back to Thanksgiving 2013 with Mike Tomlin stepping on the field. That was a fun one. Uh, I think New Year's Eve was the uh, the Tyler Boyd game. So Ravens on winter holidays, you know, it can be it can be pretty hit or miss. So we'll see about this one. But it, it promises to be, uh, you know, hopefully a banger. You know, two teams at the peak of their powers. We'll we'll see how we wind up picking this thing later in the week. But uh, it's you know, it, it's at the very least, it's going to be a heavyweight battle. So I agree. And man, I mean, been a couple days now. Ravens toppled the Jaguars. And just looking back on this schedule, I think you and I had them both in the same department, right around 11-ish wins, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe one of us had 12. I can't recall. I'm pretty sure we both had at least 11. So they have stepped up to the task and are still such a team that feels like, and I know we've, we've joked as well, and I do get some people's sentiment, and maybe it's more the state of the NFL in 2023 than it is the Ravens themselves. But then when I go back to the tape of this game, of this Jags game, it just does truly feel like there's so much left on the plate still. And they still win. It's one of the craziest things in the world. They will thoroughly whoop teams and look like at times where they could have put up 40, 50, 60 points. So I guess I do empathize or understand the perspective of feeling like some people, you know, oh, they still haven't put it all together. But I think that's kind of just their thing. I think they just are so capable all the time because they do so many positive things schematically philosophically in terms of the talent that they've had that they just kind of really go play to play to play to play to play to play they don't really buy into the ebb and flow of games quite as much they just go and that's why they still have led the nfl in time spent with a lead they didn't trail in this one another game that they did not trail in and they scored in the first quarter if i recall correctly and just don't trail. So uh, it's an exciting team. It's an exciting game, an exciting opponent, an exciting time of the year. And we're happy to be where we are to cover this team and 
us switching over to Exit 52 is our first holiday of the Exit 52 team, and it's fun. So I'm having fun. I'm excited. I feel refreshed and ready to rock and roll. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It uh, you know it, it feels like a uh, a little bit of a reset button there after we've talked about it ad nauseum, but all the contract nonsense and the injuries the last couple of years, it feels like they are finally approaching a January, uh, just sort of with the vibes going in the right direction. And yeah, I mean that game on Sunday night, I think was kind of a an encapsulation of all that you're talking about, where they win by multiple scores. Uh, it didn't always look pretty, but they just continue to find a way to adapt. They're very adaptive in that way. They don't seem to get too down on themselves. They seem to have a ton of confidence on both sides of the ball. I think you can really trace a lot of that confidence on defense uh, to Roquan Smith for one. I mean that guy just talks like underrated just complete shit talker like that guy like he's talking about he's taking bulletin board material from the jaguars talking about being the bully i know like the, those quotes never came across my desk i think he might have uh he might have done some searching on that one and had to had to dig that one up a little bit but if it works for you it works that's great and then jackson he's got the contract now he's a little bit older a little bit more mature he's pulling his pants up after every single play at this point and uh it just seems like he's in a different uh phase of life shout out to ben mintz it's his second act of life uh, and he's, you know, really just kind of put it all together as a leader. You hear likely talking about him as kind of that a uh, little bit more of a vocal leader and uh, seems a little bit different. I know likely doesn't have the same perspective of some of these guys who have been around for a while, but realistically, this is a pretty young offense around him with likely with uh, Zay Flowers in the starting lineup with Bateman to an extent. I mean, Beckham is kind of the uh, the really the elder statesman on this offense, which is weird to think about. But uh, overall, yeah, it's it all seems to be working pretty well, even though it doesn't always look pretty to your point. And there could have been better moves made in the in the offseason uh, as far as a coaching staff. I saw our guy Yuri was talking about Bobby Slowick, which I don't think that ever really was an option. I think he declined them in interview. But uh, yeah, overall, it just it kind of all it amounts and wins. And like we keep saying, you can't really ask for much more. And I think a win this weekend would be amazing. But Really, overall, I just want to see that they belong in the same field as San Francisco because that, you know, very well could be a team that they would have to play in a potential Super Bowl matchup, and you don't want to get too ahead of yourself. But if they can at least put on a good showing here, uh, that would that would be great. I mean, to me, this is kind of this is the game for the MVP trophy, and then next week is the game for the number one seed. So it is, and. In my, I guess, introspection of this Ravens team or perspective of this Ravens team, it feels like it did from 2019 through really Ronnie Stanley's injury in 2020 when they kind of fell apart and had to change and adapt. A happy and healthy Lamar Jackson. And that is why they paid him that lump quarter billion dollar sum because when he's happy, and when he's healthy, they are always in it, and they are usually always leading. And I think what we kind of just touched on there, you know, hey, they, they kind of have the ability to play good, not perfect, and still blow teams out. In 2019, they were blowing everybody out, and then they ran into a Titans team that had a plan, and it feels like they are so well-equipped to navigate different circumstances it feels like they're a little bit more of a swiss army knife than they were you know a big butcher's knife that just was going to chop they have more nuance they have more schematic ability we had dan orlovsky do a segment on i think first take 
or excuse me, it was probably on uh, whatever, Get Up. I, 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 he does so many shows, NFL Life. Who knows? One of the many shows he does. Get a little article in GQ, our boy Dan Orlovsky. He does the uh, he does the Twitter videos, too, where he's just sitting in his living room and there's like chaos going on around him and he's just locked in, just talking about whatever the, the given topic of the moment is. Exactly. And it was a fun interview, or a fun article on GQ about Dan Orlovsky. I'd look that one up. It was nice. And they do have a nice little thing, him and Spears and Kimes. They're, they're better than a lot of the other stuff ESPN does, particularly in the football realm. But he was just saying that they're hard to defend because they run every single type of concept. Like they run under center play action and boot. They run from under center. They run some pistol options still. They run true spread. They run gun run. They run option. They run West Coast stuff. They do run every type of offense. They run Charlie Kohler. The po- the Kohler Express, as one Ryan Mint called it. The Hun, like the Hun run was the one that I came up in the moment, which I think off the dome that was pretty good, but Kohler Express probably does work a little better. Especially because of the time of the year. Yeah. So that that really helps uh, helps the Kohler Express, but the, the Hun run's good. I like that a lot. Makes me think of like Attila the Hun more so too. Yeah, like yeah, that too. that's very true. So they run everything. And defensively, they run everything. They are... What I've said, I had that vision and what I was talked about, the Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur offense when it was at its peak, every kind of offense, but they have quarterback run stuff. So boiling down to this game and I guess diving into the tape of it and then what we like to do on the jumbo set here, the one thing I'll start with is that, and I talk about Jackson being healthy and happy, and they did save him. They have saved him. He has saved himself, it feels like, in that run department. And... I just don't I don't think I'm I don't think I want it being broken out yet. I don't think I want that uh that whiskey getting cracked open yet. I think I want to keep that on the shelf still. Like you're 11 and 3, you're playing the Niners, the Dolphins, you know, you maybe pour yourself a couple fingers of that that quarterback run and Jackson, you know, fighting a little bit more instead of protecting himself. Don't do it yet though still. Keep keep that. It doesn't matter you're in. You're pretty much won your division. You have a really strong shot, even if you lose Sunday, to win the one seed as the Dolphins could just lose and then you could lose to the Dolphins to beat the Steelers and then be a game up on them. Uh, you know, whatever happens, they have some tough games. But I don't want that getting cracked open all the way still. And it's cool and I love it and it makes some Lamar Jackson so good and it's so fun to watch. A lot of issues, a lot of people talking and, and kind of ham ham. Ham hoeing, ho. I don't know what that phrase is. Who knows? I'm gonna have hemming and hauling. What you're going? There we go. God, this is this is why they pay you the big bucks. Hemming and hauling about you know Ronnie Stanley, the offensive line, things like that. Get the ball out. Get the ball out, man. You want you don't want Nick Bosa to blow you up. You don't want some of these pass rushers coming down the pipe in the playoffs to blow you up. Get the ball out. Throw quick game. Get the ball out. So that is what felt like it was silly, and I think they did call some quick game stuff, and Lamar just. He has the power to override it. And the dichotomy between him and Trevor Lawrence of Lawrence being like, okay, the Ravens have such a good pressure system pass rush overall. I'm not going to participate in that. I'm going to throw the ball early and I'm going to throw the ball away a lot. And to be honest, you know, we talked about it on the instant analysis, but they get into those circumstances of dropping a ball, missing field goals, fucking up the two minute drill at the end there. Uh, all of those things, it was working. It worked. They kept the pass rush at bay. They moved the football. They were able to stay competitive. They just made those stupid critical errors and a couple of them from their kicker. So um, Lawrence didn't do enough 
when he was pressured. And I don't think Lamar got the ball out quickly enough either. And it did feel like in times where that game could have gone back in the Jaguars' direction, especially if they didn't make those critical mistakes on the offensive side of the ball. But at the same time, that is what is so impressive. So it's just like layers and layers. And I guess I'm kind of talking in circles as I tend to do, but it's just fucking weird the way the Ravens operate. And Lamar Jackson is an alien and can do things that others cannot. And I also... And I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl. I'm not going to, you know, have the chickens, uh, you know, hatch before the air or whatever. Again, another phrase I'm going to mess up. Golly. But I am not ready to go say, oh, the Ravens are going to make this deep playoff run. Or, oh, they're going to, you know, win the AFC. I just feel better. I just feel calmer. I just feel like they have had their battle scars. And that was kind of the thing I was coming to on in terms of this playoff run. And people are weary of getting the bye and stuff like that. And Marlon Humphrey's comments that, you know, he he's basically saying Lamar didn't really do the high, high paid quarterback thing, the first in, last out, the the getting on guys, the leadership. Now he's doing that. It means more. He's ready. And I just can see it. And it makes me feel better about them in the playoffs and about all of the different things they're able to do on both sides of the football. Um, so that's what is going to make this 49ers game so fun. And that is in this Jaguars game when his protection was bad and he wasn't getting the ball out early, he still got it done. Thoroughly got it done. So that's what makes you feel good. And we watched them come back on the Rams in consecutive weeks. They were in negative kind of scripts or quote-unquote momentum was poor offensively and still were able to just take that lever and raise it back in the other direction. Like when you're arm wrestling and someone has you down, they were able to just muscle down and flip that lever back. So I feel very good about this team. They do have, you know, maybe some issues. Keith Mitchell going down. The Ravens do sign Jake Funk, who I was at his draft party. It was a lot of fun. Shout out to Jake Funk and the Funk family. Yeah, so the Ravens sign Jake Funk to their practice squad. Melvin Gordon gets activated to the 53 there. The Panthers also released Justin Houston, so he's going through waivers. We'll see if anything happens with that, but... I just feel good about this team. I feel like they're balanced. I'm excited for this 49ers game. And it's it's weird when you watch them. Like the same things that people are down on the Ravens for, I feel like you know, Ravens fans or just Ravens Twitter, whatever it is, are also good things. Like they don't need it to be perfect. It doesn't have to be this, oh, we do our one thing or we have our pistol offense and you know, we're gonna steamroll everybody. And then that's what happens to the Cowboys every year. Like once they get the bad matchup, they just get obliterated. That just happened in the Bills game. The Ravens feel so much more flexible and capable of dealing with different types of scheme and situation and situations of momentum and environments. What are they, seven and one on the road? Like this is a freaking good team. They are a damn good team. And Jake, I know you said this is one of your favorite teams. Like I'm getting, I get, I get like into these games to a point of like, it, it's not fun because I'm so into this team right now while these games are going on. So I'm fired up about this team. The Jags tape was, you know, can talk about it a little more, but it's just such a different team than I think we've ever seen in this Baltimore Ravens franchise's history. Yeah, I think so too. I think they probably the most complete team that they've had in a long time. Not just my favorite. I mean, I think back to. 2011, uh, I would say 06. I think it was a little bit more designed with uh, McNair as the uh, the trailer as opposed to the truck. Uh, but they were certainly a complete team and they were a fun watch. 
Um, I mean, 2012, even you can point to, I know they, they kind of fell in their, uh, fell in their face a little bit backing into the playoffs there, but that was just a function of injuries. And then they get some guys back and they shuffle that line and good receiving core, good offensive line, good running game, solid defense. I mean, that was a complete team as well. Um, 2014, right. 20, uh, 2019, obviously. Um, and this is right there among them. And I think they're more, uh, to your point, more equipped to be adaptive, be versatile and kind of just, uh, you know, meet the moment no matter what it is. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of that is mentality, but I do think there have been moments throughout the season where, like you said, it's been schematic. I think back to uh, kind of my Socratic ideal for this offense, which was week two in Cincy, where I think Linderbaum, maybe I'm misremembering, I think Linderbaum missed that game uh, kind of last minute. They had to sub, uh, I'm not sure who it was in at center there or something. I think they were still rotating the tackles and they were doing what you were saying with get the ball out quick, uh, do what you need to do, need to do in the run game. That was a big uh, Gus, uh, fresh legs in the second half. He helped close that thing out, deep shot to Flowers. So I think back to that game is kind of my my ideal of what I'd like to see. And I know this is basically a different different season at this point. That was so long ago. But I think it's still kind of in there, and I think we saw it a little bit against the Rams where they're doing the rotation of the tackles and doing some good stuff in the passing game and getting guys wide open, which I don't think that should necessarily discount what they're doing on offense. I mean, look at the 49ers. They've got guys wide open every single week, and they capitalize. So... I don't know. It's all part of it. And uh, to your point, it's uh, it's a great watch. And like I said, one of my favorite teams uh, that I've ever watched uh, wear this uniform. So it's great. Love it. And as I was going back to this Jaguars game, I mean, what stood out to me, Zay Flowers, who apparently I got a DM. I'm going to read this DM that I got, which I'm, I've been getting like. We should make, I this, we should make this a segment. Go through your DMs. Uh, that actually would be a pretty good segment. We, we might have to start enacting that. Uh, let me try and pull this up. Which account do I have here? Okay. So one of my many burners is what I'm alluding to. Right. So I got one from somebody who said, hey, Spenny, hope all has been well. Sorry to bug you, but I had a random question that I was just wondering if you heard anything about an injury to Zay Flowers. I'm not trying to break news to anyone or anything like that at all. Just personally was wondering. I work for a grocery store chain. We were supposed to have Zay in today, but uh, and it was going to be, we were supposed to have a Raven in today and it was going to be Zay. But one of the Ravens employees that showed up said he couldn't make it any longer, and they kind of just let it slip that it was because he had an MRI appointment. So that got people talking pretty quickly. Again, sorry to bother you. Love all your content. Uh, the, the bar, the user's name is just John. John, you're never bothering me, guys. My DMs are always open. Feel free to. I, I love interacting with everybody always. And then I was like, okay, well, I get I get some of these things, and a lot of them are good. Like a lot of them turn out right and good. And I feel good about them afterwards. And I, I don't know. I'm always very wary. I feel like I might be getting uh, canoodled there. And then Jeff's Rebeck, not too long after, I think it was actually minutes after I got that DM, says, per the Zay Flowers question circulating on this app, he came out of Sunday's win over the Jags with some foot soreness. Team optimistic he won't miss any time there. So uh, something that was interesting there. And I mentioned that because when I went back and watched tape, I mean, that's the the primary thing I'm frustrated with, and it's I think people get too caught up into like Lamar Jackson's deep ball accuracy. It feels like a big talking point, but Zay Flowers was blowing the doors off of the Jags nonstop to the point where it was looking like Jags, just a guys, not Jaguars. Jags were covering Zay Flowers. Their corners looked clunky. They were not putting hands on him. They didn't try to, and were still just not able to keep rhythm pace with him. He had some speed releases on vertical routes. He had some over routes. He had some comebacks. He had double moves, all of these things. 
And it was just really weird because I feel like that is Lamar's guy. I feel like of you know with Andrews out, Flowers is Lamar's guy. So it was very peculiar that he just generally didn't get targeted more. Um, and hey, you know, I'll be the first to say, you know, Justin Jefferson can have a two two catch eleven yard game. It just happens. Play a lot of football games. Things are different. Different things happen. Wind blows different ways. But so consistently, I just don't understand. And we've talked about this with Rashad Bateman, where it's like, all right, well, Bateman wins on a deep route. The ball doesn't go there. Then they always end up going to him after. And he's had so many targets. It hasn't worked out well. He didn't have any of those deep ones in this game. But they never went to him. They just never went to that well. And it was really weird. And people are like, oh, well, protection was bad. And it was. And Ronnie Stanley did get beat a few times. But it wasn't always. There were also some really clean pockets. Like, really clean pockets. And as I... Uh, preluded to was get the ball out. Like if Zay Flowers is pressed one-on-one on an island, how long do you need to hold the ball for? You don't. You just throw it up in a bucket. Just throw that bitch up. Like let him run under it. He's shown that he's going to fight for the ball. So I was really disappointed watching that part. And it was a positive win. There were so many positive things in the run game, uh, which I'll get to. But I don't know. It just was a very weird experience watching him so clearly not get extra attention knowing that he is kind of the primary cog of the pass game at this point and still not get any targets. So I thought that was strange. And the other thing that crossed my mind when I was just watching through, I was like, God, it sucks. Keaton Mitchell's hurt so bad. It sucks so, so bad. Oh, the Ravens finally have some like UDFA playmaker that just falls into their lap. There's the nice story that his dad played for the Ravens. He's averaging 8.4 yards a carry. Of course, of course he's going to get hurt on like a non-contact injury and tear his ACL right before the playoffs, just of course. And that makes me think back to, shit, well, I've liked the way that Zay Flowers has been used, even if he hasn't gotten the ball. And what did we say about the bye week? Okay, let's see him run some more of the, the real routes, the real big boy routes he can run. And now I'm again worried that you take the the gadget out, you take the motion screen guy out that is kind of a toy and then that's going to revert zay flowers to being the toy so i'm worried about that um i just know it's going to happen and i don't like it i do like getting him the football i think they're going to and maybe we'll see what happens with foot soreness if it's a liz frank injury of some sort i'm gonna literally scream and pull my hair out can't take that anymore so hopefully that's all good to go but i'll knock on the old wood there but I don't know. I didn't like that part of it. And uh, I don't know. It was like Lamar had a really high PFF grade and he did make so many plays. And that's the part where it's like, man, how, how has there not been like one, there hasn't been one go ball flowers hit that deep post. There hasn't been one go ball where somebody just cooked, went for a touchdown. And I know those are down around the NFL and too high safety and yada, 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 but the Jags don't run a lot of too high safety. Like Lamar, please let it go. Throw it up. Let him make a play. Let these guys make plays. So uh, in terms of the deep accuracy, I think a lot of times he throws the ball away. Like a lot of times, and it's like, oh, he's over there. You think that guy can make a throw like he made to Isaiah Likely, running around for 10 seconds and then getting hit in the face and can't... He, he has the ball on a string. Like sometimes he does some things mechanically where it's like okay he threw off his back foot so the nose went down on him and you know whatever bad throw happens to every quarterback 
give these guys a chance. Stop throwing it away. Give them a chance. Get the ball out early. That is going to be a huge key in this 49ers game, and that's something that is still not there. And I feel good about every other part of Todd Munkin's game and Lamar Jackson's game. It's still just as the final frontier, and they do have a little bit of time. They hopefully will have, I guess, like a month between this 49ers game and a divisional round game if they're able to lock up the one seed. And you know that's getting ahead of ourselves, but it does look like they're in good shape too. So all very interesting stuff there that I'm hopeful the Ravens can kind of turn around. Yeah, I, I think the uh, the YOLO ball to likely hopefully inspire some confidence that he could be a guy that he could do that too because he would do that, but like it was always, always, always Andrews. And like, that's totally fine. Like that's his guy. They, they've got that kind of mind meld thing going on. I mean, I, I think back to the Browns game in 2020, the Browns game in 2021. I think about some games this year where it's just you hawk it up there and hope he makes a play and uh, it either goes out of bounds or he does. Uh, and yeah, hopefully likely could be that guy playing above the rim like we've talked about. Flowers, I think we uh, we both believe he can be that guy. And you mentioned the single coverage aspect of it. Like, yeah, man, like you, you got to identify that and just kind of let it rip and let him uh, let him try to make that play because he's probably going to beat the dude. And if not, you just overthrow him and it's fine. You move on to the next play. But I also do like the uh, the the kind of measured uh, play style as well at times because that does allow them to kind of just keep moving the ball and get themselves into those you know second and four, third and two, fourth and inches kind of situations. And then kind of just pull forward as is the case across a lot of uh, NFL offenses these days. But yeah, I think you're right. Like you need to have that club in the bag. And so far they're just, they're very hesitant to pull it and I get it. It's low percentage. It's like hitting the driver, but uh, sometimes you gotta, you gotta let one rip every now and then and uh, see if you can get it out there. So hundred percent. And like that comparison. And, and I did tweet, you know, uh, I had this kind of the same thoughts as Dan Orlovsky and maybe it wasn't, maybe I did see his tweet. Maybe he was the one who inspired me to do it, but it feels like, you know, they got the mini driver, they've got the long iron, they've got the 60 that they use, and they're con- like, they can hit it. I think that is the last thing. Uh, we'll call that the the driver, like the two iron or something like that. But uh, that's the, the kind of just last frontier. And I think of some of these other offenses, you know, you make the point about Andrews, and it does just kind of feel like Andrews was the only guy they had, the only dude they had. But that's not the case. You do have Likely who showed you that. Zay Flowers will go up and fight for that football if you give him anything in that area. Not for nothing, you have the guy who has literally the most famous catch in NFL history on your team right now. like Who's made crazy catches. And the one that he dropped on tape, the, the drop Odell had looked way worse on tape than I thought it was going to be. He fucking dropped that thing. Yeah. He fucking dropped that thing. Yeah, he had it, he had it in his hands too. That was almost a Mooney situation a little bit. A tiny bit. And the ball maybe wasn't perfect, but it wasn't too bad. It was on the move. He uh, laid out for it. I get it. But yeah, he, he you got to hold those in, especially if you're it was, he, 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 he kind of didn't even really lay out. He just kind of had to move. He had to, he had to make a play on it a little. And that's why they paid him that money. So hopefully that's his, uh, his bad one. And I don't know him and Zay Flowers, I guess we're both banged up. Like we saw him. Odell was kind of not in this game a ton. I haven't checked the snaps. I forgot to I'll go check them right now. But we saw him with the the calf gun there at one point. And in this game, he played, let's see here, on pass plays, he was only in on 19, actually, which was the second most among receivers. So he was on the field a little bit. And they just didn't really throw the ball, I mean, a ton. Lamar scrambled a bunch, and you know there was 32 total pass plays and, what, five, six scrambles there? I think he was sacked a couple times and like 24 pass attempts. So 
wasn't a huge opportunity. Uh, they ran the ball really well. So all of those things were solid. Uh, I was surprised when PFF grades came out and I saw that Odafe Owe was far and away the Ravens' highest-graded player. And then I was really impressed. I was like, okay, I'll go check that out. And again, I think PFF is doing a better job. I, I think they're really starting to get their shit together uh, in terms of grades. I, I feel like they're pretty good. Uh, much less disparity than, than what I've felt in years past. But he is growing into his body as well. I think Chuck Smith's done a good job, but that dude was lanky. He was like, he, he's like almost six, six. He was a little lighter. He ran that four threes, you know, leaner guy. He's got such a deep voice. Um, I'm thinking he's going to size up here in the next year or two. I think he's going to keep growing out and filling out. Um, and Clowney to be a guy on the same team as him, especially in the run game, I think is such a nice player for him to look at and understand how to crash as a backside defender that's unblocked and how to kind of chase things from the front and work your way through zone blocking schemes and reach blocks and stuff. So uh, six pressures in this one, had a really nice game. Him and Matabike, I'll say it, they should have been flagged like five times. They should have gotten flagged for hitting Trevor Lawrence low at least twice. They were sniping those feet. And I know he's got that ankle, and you know I'm not saying, but I might be saying, they were trying to get after that ankle, I think. Justin Matabike went kind of sicko mode in this one. He had a couple, and of course, the, the, the streak, everything, such a good player. But he had a couple where he kind of launched early and went after those feet. So Shout out um, to uh, Terrell Suggs against Sam Bradford in that preseason game. <laughs> Running the read option. <laughs> he just dives at his fucking knees for no reason. That I'm, was so fucked up. I'll never forget that. So fucked up. Uh, so I don't know. Roquan Smith's talking about being the bully. And I hate the Steelers. I think they've always been like this. I think the Ravens, the Ravens used to have phases. I think the Rex Ryan years are where it got pretty crazy with kind of putting the Bart Scott hot sauce comment about Reggie Bush and stuff like that. But I think they've been a little bit more clean in the last like five, seven years. And I don't think they're clean anymore. I think they're dirty. And it's not even like dirty, dirty. They're just crazy physical defensively. But then also like, I really kind of think they were going after that ankle. And hey, I mean, it's part of the game. I think Roquan is kind of more his own guy that, as opposed to just being one of Harbaugh's heroes, right? Where he's going to come in and, you know, preach the Bible and do all this kind of stuff. Like, I think Ro Roquan likes and respects Harbaugh, but I think that's kind of his defense. Like, he, he's he's setting the tone here. Yeah, that's... We're not, re we're not, well, we are reading scripture after every, after every game, as you'll see. I, I like that take from you so much, I can't even express that... That side of the football has been taken away from John Harbaugh. Like, that's not Harbaugh's team, I don't think, as much. Like, those are his guys, but that's not that's not his team. It's just kind of a respectful, like, co-mingling, co-working relationship. Like, we're in different departments. We're in the same company, but it's just different departments, right? We're all rowing in the Sales same Sales versus product. Yeah, exactly. I like that take a lot. And, whew, I mean, Kyle Hamilton, I just made a video. Go check it out. Also, just... Like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. If Good job with that. I just I watched it before we got going here. Thank you. That was I. I really was pleased with that. And I, of course, Kyle Hamilton. I know will tickle your 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 fancy as much as he'll tickle anyone's fancy in the whole wide world. But uh, the the stats, all that stuff on him. But that comment, I think it was Hewitt. DB's yeah, coach. I think it was Hewitt that yep. said he's a, a mean, mean cat. Don't let that baby face fool you. He he'll rip. He'll snatch your face off. 
What did uh, what did what did Roquan say about him? That's a he's a fucking warrior. He's a fucking like warrior. That. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, some some pretty cool cool comments coming out about Kyle Hamilton. Um, and I guess I'll just read off what I kind of did in that video, but I was like, I was just watching that game, and again here, uh, hey, I'm looking at PFF grades. Where's Kyle Hamilton? Sixty six point six. And I mean, I don't understand that in any way, shape, or form. I, I don't know where that comes from. Solidarity. Um, there we go. But he made so many plays in that on the back end. Once Marcus Williams went down, he looked so good. They avoided him like the plague. And that's the, that's the other thing that drives me bananas. And I know that I'm kind of like the only one talking about this, but it really does irk me when Mina Kimes or some of these other people compliment him, but they give him the backhanded compliment of like, well, you know, he is best in the box. No one will throw at him. What do I, every year when I'm grading corners and this is the, and sauce Gardner is the number one example of this. And with Yuri, shout out Yuri. I know you, you listen too. He was like, I don't know what to do with that guy. What it like he was, we we're talking about him. He's like, I don't know what to do with him. I, I don't know how to grade him because no one throws the ball at them. Sometimes you need to step back and be like, ding, ding, ding. Maybe there's a reason ding, ding, ding. Maybe there's a reason they aren't throwing the ball at him. Maybe the offensive coordinator and the quarterback and the receivers are like, hmm, maybe we shouldn't throw at this guy. Maybe we should walk a receiver out and remove that guy. Let's let's have a receiver almost on the sideline so that Sauce Gardner is just not a part of this game. And when they do with Hamilton, like it, like when they kind of have to when in the tight areas in the end zone, like it was it Guyton we were talking about where he just like he blocked out the sun. Like he's just so like long and big that like if you're going to throw in that direction, like good luck getting it around him. He's 6-4 and his wingspan is like probably half his height. It's crazy. Like he that that's such a good point and we we talked about the Derek Clausen tweet. He, he's like, he's going to have PBUs by accident. Like <laughs> yes, exactly. And we talked, so uh, Derek Clausen tweeted and was like, Lamar Jackson is only ever going at 80%. That's kind of the same thing with Hamilton because his arms are so long and he's so tall and athletic. He can stay in phase in coverage because he doesn't have to fly. His margin for error is way higher than any other safety, any other DB really in the NFL. Like, Sauce Gardner's that same thing. Tariq Woolen, some of those guys, those younger guys who have made plays because when you have that wingspan, you're gonna, it, it's more literal length that you have to be able to go make a play on the football. And in this game, he goes so crazy on the back end when Williams goes down. They did try to target him at the very end. They tried to sneak Calvin Ridley twice at the very end of the game. He made plays on the ball both times. Like literally, he speed, they tried to, they tried to bait him with a three-man concept where it was like a it was basically the same thing as the Zay Flowers touchdown against the Rams where Nelson Aguilar goes I'm going to run the safety out and that was Kyle Hamilton and he didn't I said in that video he doesn't take the cheese he knows exactly what they're doing and he's 22 and he's doing it in the deep half he knows what they're doing now so what do you think how how good of a processor do you think he's going to be when he's 24 and 25 he's obscene uh, the video I had is, is Kyle Hamilton the best DB in the NFL? And to spoil some of it, I was like, what are what are the efficiency numbers on him? So I went and I uh, went to pass defense on Sports Info Solutions, and I put some filters on just 30 target minimum. He is number, let's see, he is number eight in their point save metric. In EPA allowed when targeted, he is number three in the NFL. 
Teams have a minus 21 EPA when throwing at him. That's third best. EPA per target, he has the third best EPA per target allowed in the NFL, minus 0.55. The 49ers EPA per play, who are one of the three best offenses in terms of DVOA of all time, is lower than that is, conversely. Positive percentage, in other words, success rate, 14.3. Zach Wilson has a career positive EPA rate, I think of like 0.32. So he is almost three times better then Zach Wilson has been bad is, is how that equates in my brain. Just absurd, man, what he's doing. And definitely go check that video out. But I could not be more impressed with that dude. And I was impressed with him as a prospect. And, you know, I, I wasn't in love with the Ravens taking him necessarily, um, you know, over Jermaine Johnson. But that was, if you go back to the live stream, I was like, well, Jermaine Johnson or Kyle Hamilton. So, um, if you if, he, if if Jordan Davis were available in that pick, I would have taken Jordan Davis. Yeah, I would have taken Jordan to Davis. this day, to this day though. You'd still would take Jordan Davis. Uh, probably not. Probably not. Okay, but I I would have then for sure. I wanted Jordan Davis very bad. Yeah, I, 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 I knew that. Been. I'm just saying with yeah with the hindsight now because I know yeah no you, with, with the hindsight I would take I would take Kyle Hamilton. Fair. Um, it, it's just truly. And for the kid to do it off of like, oh, is he going to play? Oh, is he going to miss time? Oh, I, I hope he's back for the 49ers game. I, I don't know. I don't know. It was it was a joke. It's literally just a joke how good he is. I little, don't understand. Little cross-sport comparison. He reminds me of Killian Mbappe a little bit. This kind of just came to my head where it's just like long, spindly, kind of it doesn't really always make sense when you're watching what he's physically able to do. And like it's not a one-to-one with goal scoring and with striking, but like he just – you know, just makes it happen whenever he gets a chance. He's just fucking clinical. It's it's something to watch. It looks un. It doesn't. It's not that it looks bad, unnatural, but it looks different than anybody else. The movement looks different in Killian Mbappe. It looks different in Kyle Hamilton. It's hard to make comparisons. The only ones I can think of are literally Cam Chancellor mixed with Victor Webanyama. And people, yeah, people say Chancellor, but Chancellor is just like, to me, a little bit more of a missile. And he would just like lay guys out. Like Hamilton does that, but he also makes those shoestring tackles because his arms are so long. Chancellor wasn't making plays in space space like that. Yeah. It's... And we like what's funny is we're forgetting about that pick six against the Browns because that game ended so terribly. But like that was like one of the craziest fucking plays I've ever seen from any like Raven ever. I'm honestly was, glad you brought that up because I kind of forgot about it. Yeah, everyone does because that game ended so, in such a, you know, in heartbreaking fashion. But it's like we can't we can't forget about that either because we remember one of the big kind of storylines of last season. I don't, I don't think he had one interception. He almost had the one against the Saints that got called back kind of unfairly, I think. And now what does he have three this year? And that's obviously one of them. So the other has two or three. I'm not totally sure, but that's yeah. Pick six to open that game. I mean, that was, that was wild. Truly spectacular. Just all around. This is the number one Kyle Hamilton podcast. Like we are, we are the Kyle Hamilton podcast. Oh yeah. The swagger on him too is just absurd. And there's a, in that video, you see a play where, I think it's the first ball to Calvin Ridley where he speed turns. They try to get him to take that bait. And this is why I like him. Like he could have, my voice just squeaked like a mouse. He could have, I don't know what you're doing with your hands over there. I thought I'm just you were trying to get, well, yeah. I thought you were getting the soundboard because I squeaked like a mouse. I thought it was a wow coming. Wow. Well, you get it there now. We go. You get it now. There, there we go. Thank you. So he turned, saw the ball, 
And it was like he could have maybe tried to pick it and probably wouldn't have. And he, I watched him make the decision, I'm going to hit him instead. And I was like, yeah, hit him instead. Like, yeah. And that's why I love him. And that's why I love that quote that, you know, don't let the baby face fool you. He wants to rip your face off. I was wondering about that because watching him in Notre Dame, he wasn't nearly as evocative as he is now. Like he he would make all those plays and he would definitely get fired up from time to time. I remember he had a big hit and he got really pissed off when he had to leave the field one time in college. But like other than that, like he was, you know, and he is a quiet guy off the field. He's not super like, you know, he's not Marlin who's, he's you know, quiet jock. Flash, he's quiet yeah, jock. not flash. He's quiet, tall, handsome jock. Yeah, exactly. He'll flash a little bit on social media and flex here and there, but he's not doing it in the way that like Marlin is, who's tr- clearly angling for like a post career media uh, run there, which is great. But yeah, it's, it's very different. He's kind of he's quietly become one of those alpha dogs. He's also so young, too. But in college, I don't think I, th- I think you mentioned that targeting that he got. He got one this year, if you recall, too. Yeah, Titans. Yep. Yeah. And. I think that's why he maybe wasn't quite as violent because he was so pivotal pivotal to that defense. I think they were like, you can't. You cannot hit the way that you can hit. Please don't. That yeah, yeah. will fuck us if you do. So to be unleashed a little bit more in the NFL is sick. And just, man, I can't say enough about Kyle Hamilton and what he's doing and what he is and that he is a safety. Like he is a safety. He is everything, but he is a safety. I'm two for two on Jersey buys here recently. I don't get as many as you, I don't think, but I got Lamar Jackson. I'm like one for my last five. I have Dobbins. I have Bateman, <laughs> number 12. I have Ricard. That's a good Lamar. one. Ricard's Ricard good. and Lamar. So I'm two, I'm two, two and two, two for four. Yeah, I got Lamar when he got drafted, and I think I got Kyle right when he got drafted, or it might have been a little bit after. You, you have the white Kyle? Yeah. I, it hasn't been available in over a year. Yeah, I, I bought. Listen, I, I'm just buying low, low uh, stocks when they're low. You know, I'm like, uh, it's Salomon and Brothers in 1988. Just you know, getting getting these uh, these you know junk junk bonds and absolutely just raking in the profits. Kylan Mbappe's name, uh, dad's name is Wilfred, by the way. Wilfred Mbappe. Nice. Oh yeah. Defensively, otherwise, um, Patrick Queen's awesome just continuing to turn up. I feel like he's gotten a much better hold on conditioning and strength maintaining through the season. I remember him talking about how big of a deal that was as a smaller guy, and he just got more comfortable with less weight this season. I think that's allowed him to hold up a lot better. Uh, he was really good in this one. You also, Jones, uh, you, we gotta, you, you mentioned this right after we stopped recording on Sunday night. We did not talk about Brandon Stevens, who had a really nice game. Uh, targeted a lot. I think he maybe allowed one or two, but he also had made some really nice plays. Had a nice comment on Twitter, something to the effect of just, you know, keep it coming my way, and I'm just going to keep making these plays. So, In the screen game, and the Jags, like I said, were trying to they're, – they're PI merchants for sure, trying to flop around, and Zay Jones got him. I think in Marlon's Instagram Live, he was like, they got me on one. You know, credit to them, great play, but – Whoever the you know, airline, by the way, up. let's let's get the Wi-Fi cleaned up there. Marlon had a, a tough performance on Sunday night. I was I was hoping for better. I but, tuned out of that one pretty quick. Spot, spotty spotty connection. Let's get let's get that together here. It's you know it's an East Coast you know South to North flight. It shouldn't be that bad. Somebody somebody get this guy a hotspot, a real hotspot. We'll have to talk to Jack. We'll have to let Jack know. Yeah, actually, yeah. Let's. We, we haven't had on here in a while. I think we kind of just forgot about Jack a little bit. On we here. sort of did, but he's also been like going to World Series games, and you know, he's he's in LA this he's week. Crazy, he's man. he's in the Keys next week. It's like the settlement is just a, a man about the world. He is. Where in the world is Jack Carmen San Diego settlement? 
So maybe that'll be the new uh, segment. Forget about settle great, up. It's, glad you pulled that up. Yeah, where where in the world is the settle, man? I think that's what it's going to be called now. Forget about settle. Oh, up. I like that. Oh, I like that. We're gonna have to get a little video together too. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, Steven, you make a great point, Stevens. I originally thought it was Geno Stone. I so Cole. I think Cole or Garnet, one of the two, tagged Antonio Cromartie and was like, "What happened on this blown coverage? The Jamal Agnew touchdown." And Cromartie was like, "Oh, he basically said, oh, Mollet locked on." to the number two or onto the number one and didn't think about the number two carrying vertical. I just don't, it was max protection. And in other words, there was two receivers running routes and Geno stone is just not near either of them as the play develops. Like, I don't know why he wasn't over there. Maybe it wouldn't have mattered because Agnew is just faster than him and whatever the positioning wasn't great to begin with. And and I'm, I'm going to go with Antonio Cromartie over myself, but I just don't know what Geno stone was doing there still. So, uh, had to had to get that one out there. Yeah, maybe a good uh, thing they didn't they didn't buy low on that contract. I'd love to have them back have him back, but if he's going to fetch a big deal, you know, maybe maybe let's keep that interception streak going a little bit. I don't think. And when I when we interviewed Brad, he, he nailed it on the head. He's like, those guys don't get paid, right? Like Geno Stone's not getting eighty million. He's not getting sixty million. He's not probably. I don't think he's getting forty million. I think he'll get a nice contract. Like I could see him getting like three years, twenty seven million probably somewhere else, probably somewhere else. Very nice player. No disrespect at all. He is a good football player. He's a good safety. I like having him. He's a playmaker. I just don't think he's going to get paid crazy. And I don't know, man. I feel like on, on that note, so much of what happens with the defensive free agents might hinge on Mike McDonald being here next year. Like, I feel like that could be a, uh, Lose him, lose a lot. And not that if he, he might go somewhere and take someone, like why would he not bring Patrick Queen? Why would he not bring maybe a Geno Stone with him or at least one of them? So that's one aspect. But also I think if the Ravens don't win the Super Bowl this year, I think, and he comes back, I think a lot of guys might be like, let's let's run that back one time. I like the sound of that. So with that in mind, this defense, we had a brief connection issue, but this defense overall making plays, able to have some big decisions coming up. But if they don't accomplish their goals, like I said, I think you can convince a couple of these guys to maybe take a little bless. Justin Matabike, not one of them, man. And we talked about his contract a good bit. We'll keep probably keep talking about it for a long time until it comes to fruition. But interviews probably interview season is nearly upon us. Yes. Like that starts to happen in the playoffs. So didn't they just make a rule change about that? They did, I think, but I think they I think they still can in the playoffs, though. It could be wrong. It might be in the regular season. Yes. NFL playoff coach interview. I'm trying to Google it right here. Delaying interviews during playoffs. Okay. okay. So during the playoffs, I think they're delayed because then teams that want to make a change that are in the playoffs, I think, get completely like screwed. Right. There's a couple other things about that. So, um, fair enough. Okay, then it's not interesting there. Yeah. So that should help them. Hopefully, I like that rule change. Make it. It should be fair for everybody. Yeah. And I, I think that's most fair. Oh, oh there's shades of gray. It might be those, those teams already get the better draft pick. I mean, let's let's level that playing field at least. Exactly. That's a good point too. Um, so very curious there. And I guess with that, you know, we've been running for a while. We can kind of power through some of these segments here. Uh, the first one being presented by the 
smoothafproducts.com. Check out their line of our shaving, grooming, cleansing products, all that great stuff. The Smooth AF Smooth Play of the Week have to go with Lamar Jackson to Isaiah Likely. Lamar Jackson spinning out of a Dewan Smoot sack, rolling across his body, and then just locating Isaiah Likely, who I think had 8.4 yards of separation, according to Next Gen Stats. And then really what was smooth about it was not just Isaiah Likely dunking on him, that, hard, that whole thing with Harbaugh, uh, figuring out what that is, but Isaiah Likely hit the smoothest pose after. He gets down on one knee, kind of goes like that under the chin. That's a, It was pretty slick when you go back and watch it, and I think that was just the epitome of what makes Lamar Jackson smooth and what Isaiah Likely has been doing for him to peak at that moment literally and figuratively peak and then come down, just hit a little, mm, just a little pose afterwards. I thought that was pretty darn smooth. So to me, that was the smooth play of the week. Yeah. I got to go with, uh, I got to go with our guy, Todd with the Kohler express and you got to give a shout out to Kohler too. This was something that I, I actually said in the Rams game on that, that fate, that ill fated fourth and one that they punted on didn't go for, I think I said something to the effect of like put Ricard under center and just do a tush push. And obviously they didn't do Ricard. He doesn't quite have the height that Kohler does. So I think Kohler was the right move. Harkens back to what they were doing uh, last season with Mark Andrews, where it's obvious Lamar Jackson cannot quarterback sneak. And it's obvious that a quarterback sneak, if you do it right, is pretty much an automatic first when you're in fourth and inches or whatever in inches. So just start doing that. And they did. And they ran it quickly. Very smooth by our guy Todd to uh, run that out quickly and uh, just kind of go for that. And they picked it up. So uh, shout out to you know, adding a little bit of a, a wrinkle here that we've been we've been asking for. Then obviously, you know, if they start to do it and it has some success, maybe you can add some other wrinkles to it, like Lamar Jackson pitching the or uh, Mark Andrews pitching the ball to Lamar Jackson, like we saw. That was one of the more fun play calls that Greg ever dialed up here in his time. So uh, I like to see like to see that little addition there. I think it was uh, much needed. Love it, and I think you're spot on about that. And that just points out to the smooth operations of the Ravens. They got that out quick. We also saw them hurry to the line on a Gus Edwards touchdown, perfectly in sync, and they are trotting out the offensive line, platoons, shifts, whatever you want to call them. They took Stanley and Moses out at the end of the game, kind of, and and at certain points, goal line, they are like, you guys can take a rest now and bring in those guys. So all of that was very smooth. I think you raise a great point about Todd and feels good to look smooth operationally headed towards the end of the season and into the playoffs. That's got to make you feel good. And you got to give the smooth brain to uh to Trevor and the Jags there. I mean, like we we can't go without mentioning that clock management at the end there and then obviously great play by the one-arm man who got a, a nice shout out by Harbaugh in the locker room after to uh keep that uh keep that play inbounds and the clock moving and uh get out of there with uh three points still in your pocket so very nice very very nice moving on and make sure to go check out smoothafproducts.com holiday season beard season dry skin season all of those things go check out their line of his hers no ours consolidated I gotta, I gotta get some. Of that. I gotta get a care package of that. I am fighting it right now. I've got my Keels, okay. not, to, not to shout out another brand, but I, I'm doing the Keels, so I, I'd love to, uh, love to get that in the rotation as well. My scalp is super dry. I've got some dandruff going. I'll, I'll pull back the curtain. So I, uh, I haven't been using it. It's in my shower. I haven't been using it the last like two weeks. I gotta get it in ASAP. I've been going to uh, just the condition every day, and then maybe shampoo like once a week. I feel like it's been working wonders for me. Love that. Love that. So we'll certainly get you that. Go check them out, smoothafproducts.com. 
Brings us to our Johnny Crab Cake of the Week. And mine is going to be stupid, kind of. But I'm going John Simpson. Yeah. Yes. I like that. I, I, th- again, and I know that you like that he did this. This is the whole John Simpson experience. We've talked about that. But Andrew Wingard's just an annoying little white blonde safety running around, talking shit down by the goal line. And, of course, he flops. But John Simpson is about that action. And he also had a mega jumbo pancake it wasn't a pan actually it wasn't a pancake but he got a guy on the ground i think in pass pro it might have been on like a draw like a qb draw maybe too something like that and then just belly flopped on him he just jumped on him and then just laid there for a second and it's just nice because the ravens don't have guys like that so that's why they need john simpson despite his limitations like we talk about somebody's got to have an edge and the Ravens have been pussyfooting on the offensive line, you know, not having that edge, that intensity, that fire in the last two, three years, really since Yonder. Yeah, retired. like Ronnie, Ronnie's kind of a clean cut, well thought out guy. You know, he's he's pretty he's pretty smooth in his own way. He's not really going to bring that edge. Linderbaum, kind of that corn fed dude. He's got a little little spit and vinegar to him sometimes, but not all the time. Zeitler and Moses, both just kind of elder statesmen, you know, at this point in their career, they're kind of just trying to trying to stay on the uh, stay on the or stay off of the. They're, tra- they're like very professional. Yeah, they're professional. They're trying to stay off the trainer's table. So I get it. But yeah, it's good. Like John Simpson, man, like. Just a fucking grinder, a veteran. He lost his job with the Raiders, comes here. You can tell he just appreciates every moment out there, and he's just trying to just continue to make a name for himself. Like, he might not be with the Ravens next year. He's playing for a starting role still. So, you know, and he plays like it. So you're going to have moments like that. It is the true, it's the Simpson coaster with this guy. You're going to have your ups and downs. But uh, when your downs are like that and you're kind of setting a tone, that's, you know, you at least get something out of that, and they got the touchdown out of it too. So all's fair in love and war. He's feeding his family best he can. He's he's pulling out everything he's got. He's playing his game and playing it his way. So Lamar Jackson makes up for that, of course, with a nice throw and a nice catch by Isaiah Likely. And maybe we don't like it so much if the result ends up being worse, but it wasn't. And so I like it a lot. The other one I'll shout out as well, and I think it just escaped. Oh, Pat Ricard. Whew, I posted a clip on Twitter. Woo-hoo-hoo. He took... Uh, Gostis, Gostasis, whatever. Gotsis. Adam Gotsis there on the Jaguars, who's a three-tech. He is listed at – Adam Gotsis is listed at – let's see here. I had the wrong one. I had a singer. He is listed at 295, six foot four. Pat Ricard and him met on a long Gus Edwards scamper that took them down into the goal to go. And, I mean, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. He truly is like a cartoon man. It's truly cartoonish, and we've seen it so many times. I think we're desensitized to it. Big news also came out today that they are adding fullback to the all-pro teams. So Pat Ricard will probably be the first all-pro fullback in AFC history. I would imagine. That's wild. Who else is it going to be? It's wild they've never done that. I think uh, it's, and I mean, in, in 2023 of all time to do that. Way to have your finger on the pulse there, guys. But uh, yeah, that's great. It, it'll be uh, good for him, and I'm sure it'll help for uh, clauses in its contract and bonuses and things of that nature. So yeah. It's- Probably don't even exist for for all pro, but I'm sure he'll get some something uh, as a result for achieving over possibility, whatever those are called. But he just torqued. Got this out and opened up a hole, put him onto the earth. And I don't know. It felt like they were pretty friendly with that team in ways on the off the Ravens offense, and the Jags defense. I saw Ricard talking with a lot of guys after the game and things like that. And that's what I love about him. Like that Judon clip from 
last year early in the season when he just like absolutely crumbled into Judon and Judon's just like, man, get out of my way. He's like, oh, come on. But like the, the duality of him being the juggernaut, like a human cartoon anvil, and then also being like this gamer, nerdy, like goofy guy that's super nice and pleasant is just chef's kiss. Just chef's kiss. I mean, we had something big come across our desks too after the game. He tweets, quote, I love the at Ravens. And he is a, he is an elite like meathead Twitter. He he is perfect into the the jock environment that the Ravens have created this year. Yeah. I mean, you know, he in and what other team do you get a defensive lineman from Maine come in undrafted, turn into a fullback, and then become a potential all pro? I mean, where else is that happening across the league? One of the better like NFL films style career arcs of the 2000s. I'll go as far as to say that. Like he is going to be remembered in Baltimore for a long, 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 as long as I'm alive. I mean, talk about, talk about these run defense issues. Forget about Ndamukong Sue. Just throw that guy out there. I mean, you know, you know, he wants it. He wants it. He wants to get some. Pat Ricard likes to get some. He does. He gets Johnny Crabcake every week. He's had angry run. He, he's had the hammer, the scepter, or whatever it's called there. Um, just God bless you, Pat Ricard. And I think we talked about this on the incident analysis. I don't know how much longer he's going to be able to keep doing it. You think of Vontae Leach. Like, how, I don't know how old Vontae Leach was. I feel like he wasn't that old, but man, like the, the beating that you take and uh, what you put on the line with your body is a fullback in the NFL. To be fair, though, Ricard's 300 pounds. He is way bigger than Vontae Leach, which is a ridiculous statement to make. So. Johnny Crab Cakes of the Week for those two. Yeah, no, and I, I I totally agree. I'd give a shout-out. Of course, it's Lars Ulrich stock, but you got to give a shout-out to Matabike for uh, tying the record there for uh, sacks in a game or uh, consecutive sacks in a game. Uh, so that was huge. Obviously, he's getting a lot of love. He's walking up to the, uh, the post-game uh, set there with Lamar and getting interviewed and everything. So that guy's star continues to rise. So very much a, a shout-out to him as well. That's who I got to give it to. It's obviously an easy answer, but uh, yeah, that's... Uh, that is my pick. See, it's not an easy answer. It's a good answer because I didn't even think about that. Like we've talked about that, but I didn't think about it. And he deserves one. Yep. So Johnny Crab Cakes all around for the boys. Yeah. And uh, it's all like, it feels like they don't, like they weren't getting to Lawrence much. I mean, they were causing pressure, but they weren't finishing, weren't getting those sacks. It feels like the sacks come at the right time a lot of the times for this team. So that was nice to see. There definitely is an opportunistic, uh, high leverage feel to this team in many ways. And even, I mean, in that Browns game, they lose, they strip. Deshaun Watson on that final drive, Watson just ends up sticking it right through their heart immediately after that. But uh, that was a huge sack too. They've, they've had some big ones in big moments for sure. And that's just beautiful. Like let's give Johnny crab cakes to Chuck Smith, to Anthony Weaver, to Mike McDonald, to all those boys. Like this pass rush is beautiful and they figure it out. That's the thing. And that's the, that was a question we had in the preview was is McDonald at the end of his bag or is it truly a Santa Claus bag? It's not a Santa Claus bag. They dialed that up. Patrick Queen gets a pressure there. It was a pretty unique look. Um, something that they kind of have run, but gets Queen in Lawrence's face pretty quickly there. He pretty much has him, and Lawrence gets out, and then Matabike goes and cleans it up. So, man, I mean, the 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 brevity, the gravity of that record is crazy that he's tied for the longest sack streak in consecutive games in NFL history. That is a crazy record for Justin Matabike 
to have tied and hopefully sets this weekend. Yeah, I was surprised. I feel like that kind of <laughs> really snuck up on me. I had no idea that was that was. I mean, you're telling me now for the first time. Uh, shout out to Lamar Jackson. You're telling me something I didn't know that the 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 streak was. You know, I wouldn't say that short, but I was like, damn, he's already there, huh? Crazy, 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 crazy. How many? And I I literally never look at sacks because I do like PFFs. Uh, no half sacks because I think half sacks are fucking stupid. They were sacked. Give them a sack. If you were part of the sack, it was a sack. But he is up to what now? He's got, where is it? 12 sacks, man. 12 sacks. 30 quarterback hits. Oh, my God. Pro Football Reference has him with 30 quarterback hits. I think that's more than Terrell Suggs ever had in a season. Let me check that out. Let me me, uh, find the receipts behind that one. Yeah. Terrell Suggs, most quarterback hits he ever had in a season was 23. Mm. And Justin Matabike has 30 already. Wow. That is what he's doing. And, I mean, Terrell Suggs, career high in sacks, when he won defensive player of the year, was 14. Justin Matabike is 12. There you go. That just goes to show. And Matabike in this game, too, I do want to say, I guess, you know, probably one of our final thoughts here, he's lining up at defensive end in five-tech, like, a lot now. He is playing outside, too. And that's nuts. That's bonkers. So just wow. Just a wow. Is this the is this the best season? Any like Joe Flacco, I guess, but that's different because he's a quarterback and he already had success. Is this the best season that like a Ravens ever had in their contract year? Yeah, and I mean, like Flacco, I'm, I'm discounting Flacco because he's a quarterback. Yeah, and I mean, Flacco, like, it, it was completely colored by that postseason run, too. He still would have gotten paid a ton of money, but, like, I, I, honestly, Joe Flacco going on that run, and then it's like, okay, well, now we got to pay him the high. You got to make him the next highest paid guy. If, by they, if they won one or two games, he probably gets paid, like, a substantial amount less. Yeah, now look at the league. It's like, oh, next guy up. Got to pay him more than the other guy. Like, I, like did, they, it, would that, did that just completely just change the trajectory of NFL history? It honestly might have. That's a great point. It's wild. I can't think of anybody else who has had this. I mean, we talk about Bart Scott, I guess, Pernell McPhee, Zadarius Smith, Paul Kruger, Ed Hartwell. Adelius, I think. I don't know if that was a contract. Adelius. Adelius Thomas was a very, 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 very good one, yes. That's probably the other one, I would say. Yeah. He had, what, 11 and a half sacks, I think, that year. He had, he had 11 in his final year before he went to New England. That was 2006. He had 11 sacks, 83 tackles, 14 tackle for loss, 24 quarterback hits. He was a first-team All-Pro yeah, in a, that season. He was a monster. And he had zero forced fumbles, actually. Yeah, zero forced fumbles. But he also had a touchdown. He had three touchdowns in a two-year stretch there. Um, so that I would if Matt Abike gets like – has let's say, I'm going to say – I was going to say a number, but let's say he has like two out of three more good games. I think this is the best – I'm going to say just like, this is stupid. Like Lamar Jackson's 2019. I think this is the best season that a player could possibly have had. Like, I don't, I don't know how else to put it. I think this is the best season that above expectation a Baltimore Raven has ever had. Yeah. And you know, three games to go here still. So plenty of runway to keep piling it on. I want to see him set that record and we'll get into the preview, but man, the, the 49ers offensive line, not that great. 49ers run defense, not that great. Not that great. This team is more beatable than meets the eye. We'll get into that deeper. This game does give me butterflies, and there's a lot to it. But they've got Trent Williams, and they uh, don't have anything else too crazy going on, I will say. 
uh, among their offensive linemen. If you want to just do PFF grades, it's Trent Williams. Uh, John Feliciano has been very nice at guard for them. And then not a whole lot going else. So excited for that one. I'm excited for this one. Okay. And it's going to be a very, very hot matchup indeed. Just like Black Eyed Susan Spices are hot. Black Eyed Susan Spices, you can find them in your local Ace Hardware locations. If you are local to downtown Baltimore, if you're in the D.C. area. I don't know if they, I don't know how much stock they have left on this limited run uh, that they did with Leon Rum, but they uh, aged some of their hot sauce in Leon Rum barrels, so you know it tastes great. Uh, and they, yeah, they had a limited run of 250, and that was a little while ago. So go check if it's in stock, Black Eyed Susan or BlackEyedSpices.com. Code is exit52 for 10% off, incinerated by chocolate with a little bit of that rum kick to it. So go and check that out. Love it. Is that all we got? That's all we got. Okay. Well, Thank you guys for listening to yet another week of Jumbo Set. Uh, Like we said, Christmas week. Enjoy your holiday. Enjoy the coming game. Obviously, we'll talk before then, uh, so no need to belabor the point. But uh, another fun episode. We've got uh, plenty of fun content in the hopper here for you all. So be sure to stay tuned at Exit52 on YouTube. Go ahead and hit us with that subscribe button. Watch all the videos, like them, comment on them all, get that algorithm pumping. Check out Spenny's Kyle Hamilton video if you have not already. Follow us on social media, Exit52Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all that good stuff. I am at Jake Luke. He is at Ravens4Dummies. That's the number four. Brian is at Barstool Banks. Taylor is at TaylorSmy10. Eric at EDITTI22. Might have a little live stream uh, going for you guys uh, tomorrow night for a little Christmas kind of theme. So that'll be fun. And uh, yeah, just keeping the content pumping out. So we appreciate everyone tuning in, following along, interacting. It's been a fun season and uh, still a little bit of it to go. So uh, that's been great. And with that, we can go ahead and sign right off. See ya. Arrivederci. really, really hard, and they execute the system, and that's what it's all about. Yes, there sir. Trust. Big, 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 big trust. trust. Big, big trust. trust. Hey, <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> right on cue. Hey, right on cue. Hey, I, let me go.